This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Takeoff Podcast with John Clark, presented by Live Casino Hotel Philadelphia. And we're got crossing streams here. Yeah. Podcast, the Green Light Podcast with Chris Long. Look at this friendly face, Super Bowl champion from Philadelphia. We're going to get into it with Chris. You can come see Chris and some of the Eagles Super Bowl champs at a Legends tailgate party near the link coming up here at the next home game. But Chris Long, man, I want to first ask you, Jalen Hurts. Was that kind of like his arrival game for the country with what he can do? Well, he had some games uh, last year that he was terrific. And, you know, he was certainly up and down. But a lot of those games seemed to fall on, um, you know, kind of those 1 p.m. or 4 p.m. slots that people weren't watching. So to your point, being able to to put together a performance like that was so efficient, you know, to start that game. I was telling John, I was I was at a I was at a concert. I was at my morning jacket. I had to make a really tough choice between my favorite band coming to my hometown. Some guys that I count as personal friends come out and see them or sit at home and watch the game. Luckily, uh, it's easy these days to run it right back and just rifling through Jalen's throws, man. Um, he was just efficient and he was on target and he's so smart about when he hurts you with his legs and the way they run their offense really hurts defenses. I mean. Um, those offensive linemen were able to get up to the second level in the run game, you know, uh, and, and they did a great job just as a group blocking for Jalen. And my favorite play of last night was probably um, Jalen's touchdown, long touchdown, heading into the corner of the end zone and Dallas Goddard with a block uh, that just kind of encompassed to me the spirit of, you know, the Eagles. Uh, you know, everybody was scrappy last night, you could tell. This team through two games, I feel like the offense kind of has it. It's like that it factor, um, and, and it starts with Jalen. I know he's a great leader, so this was great that, that people got to see that. So as a former defensive end, a guy who was paid to get after the quarterback, when Jalen can run that zone read the way he's running it, when he is, you know, got the RPOs working, how mm -hmm. tough is that for a defender? And especially, you know, on those third and fours, third and fives or something like that, where a team thinks they have you. Well, it's tough. And, you know, I didn't like Minnesota's game plan. I mean, I liked it, you know, for me because, I, you know, I'm, I'm a Burst fan. But, uh, you know, they just sit back there, play shell coverage. And, you know, um, I, I just thought – it was a thing of beauty. They picked them apart. And uh, the matchup nightmare continues for the Vikings, like across a few teams. They don't like coming to Philly. Uh, that, that They beat a good team, man. The Vikings are a good team. And uh, I know they probably tell you they didn't play their best as a new head coach. You know, you got to find a way to get Jefferson the ball more. Slay was great. I mean, that guy, the only reason he's not a bigger national uh, name, like a superstar, is because he played in Detroit for a while. And, you know, uh, now people get to see him play in primetime and do what he does. So when you saw the link last night and you have James Harden, Bryce Harper, Questlove, all these celebrities there, the vibe there, I got to tell you, 
the crowd, it felt like a playoff game. Did you get any vibes from that NFC title game yeah. back in 2018? Yeah, it just has that vibe right now. You know, it's early in the year, and obviously these guys have got, you know, 15 more games to play. But uh, it's going to be it's going to be a fun year. And and you, you can definitely tell, like, the, the last couple of years since the Super Bowl, you turn on a game and you know, like, the fans know ball. You know, they, they know ball and they know what the team's ceiling is and what the capabilities of the team uh, are. And, and when you have smart fans like that and they can see it, you know, it's easy for them to buy in. And uh, you can tell Philly's really bought into this team and there's a lot of great expectation. But with that comes, you know, a lot of responsibility. And there's going to be some guys that are going to have targets on their backs, you know, the middle of the season, because these guys are going to play themselves into the top of the NFC and, you know, people are going to be gunning for them. So right now they, they're learning to hunt and now they're just about to be the hunted, you know, this particular team, uh, because they're, they're good enough that people are going to circle them. So right now, NFC, who are your, let's say top two or three teams in the NFC? Well, I, I think the Niners, um, I would say the Eagles, the Bucks. Um, you know, you never say never with the Packers because of who plays quarterback there. You know, I, I think we kind of maybe overreacted to, uh, and and we'll continue to overreact because there will be growing pains. But that that loss they took week one, the Vikings always play them tough. So you can kind of throw that out the window as far as like what that means. And the Vikings are a really good team at home. So uh, give them time to figure it out with those rookie wide receivers. You might see. Uh, more of them down the line. And then the Saints being a sleeper for me, you know, by the time they figure things out and Jameis gets reps, if his back can stay in one piece, uh, they play really good defense. That defense travels. And, you you know, you, you could see it. They can muddy it up with the Tampa Bay. They just need to score. Did I so, leave anybody else out, John, that you think is uh, elite in the NFC? That's what I should ask you. Well, I remember – I believe you were interviewed on a uh, TV station back in St. Louis, I think it was, as an average guy with lottery tickets. I'm trying to remember this. Yeah. Did you mention the Rams? I didn't because I don't think uh, – <laughs> I just don't – I don't – I'm not buying into Matthew Stafford's health, man. Uh, I just think there's too much that can go wrong. And I don't think they're the same team they were last year. Now, I'm not discounting them, but if I'm going to pick my, you know, top three or four teams in the NFC, honestly, I'd put the Vikings up there. Um, but I think the top three to me are the uh, the Bucks, the Eagles, and, uh, and, and the Niners were my Super Bowl pick uh, to represent the NFC. But the Eagles could well play um, themselves into that spot because last year they played the – you remember they played the Niners – the game BG got hurt. That was such a physical game. There's very few teams that can match the physicality of the Niners and uh, the Eagles can. Tell you what, you talked about physicality. When you see Jalen Hurts run like that, it was the longest run by an Eagles quarterback since Donovan 20 years ago. When you see him run like that, he's got a toughness to him, but it's also like he knows how to avoid the big hit. What does that say about Jalen? Well, he's smart with the ball in his hands. I mean, like, you know, um, if a quarterback's going to run the football a good bit, not that that's what his his game is all about, because as you can see, he can throw the ball over the yard. But um, you have to be wise. You have to be smart about when to take a big hit, when it's worth it. You know, down by the goal line, he's no holds barred. You know, he's trying to get in the end zone. But in other situations, you can slide out of bounds. You can, you can slide. You can kind of sidestep things. 
Um, he's a smart cat. And, and, you know, like I think about Lamar Jackson, uh, a guy who to me runs the ball the most and gets hit the least. Um, he's one of the smartest runners with the football in his hands. I mean, some guys don't even know how to slide, you know what I mean? And they get just lit up because of it. Um, I, I think Jalen's got a little bit of that in him where he, he's, uh, he sees things ahead. And he was a former baseball player. Those quarterbacks who played baseball, they know how to slide, right? Yeah, they know how to slide, and they also got swag, man. Like these baseball dudes, man, they got a different kind of swag about them, confidence, because that is such a mental game. So I think that probably serves him well. That's a good point. Uh, it's interesting because you see Jalen Hurts, 84% completion percentage, a career high. People last year were talking about trying to throw receivers open. Uh, last night, I'm watching Jalen. He can throw the deep ball. He can throw that slant pass in traffic yeah. to A.J. Brown, the touch pass to Dallas Goddard. How much improvement have you seen with him throwing the ball? I mean, you just said he can throw it all over the field. Yeah, he can, man. Uh, I, I think with him, it's just about consistency. So we've got two games under his belt this year. He looks really good. I just want to see more, you know, because there were games last year where he looked like this. And, you know, and then there were some games where we didn't look as good. And I think he would probably tell you, like, yeah, these two games are great, but I got to put it together. You know, I got to keep putting one foot in front of the other week by week and string together as many of these performances as possible. And game plans are going to be different and teams are going to be uh, more challenging and you're going to have to go on the road. And so I'm just really excited to see. You know, when you really buy a, buy into a player, and I think a lot of people buy into Jalen, um, and I certainly am really excited to see him take this next step. I, I'm excited to see every little challenge along the way. You know, like just to sit down at the TV on a Sunday and say, oh, he's got to beat the Cowboys. Like, I want to see how he responds to this. So they're down two touchdowns. Like, I'm excited to see how he responds to everything because he's so mentally tough. You know, that's the one non-negotiable, and he's got that. The football part of it, he's getting the hang of this thing. If he can be consistent, it's scary. Scary. Some people are even saying MVP conversation. Oh, oh, I'm, not, what? I'm not doing that yet. I'm okay. not doing that. I don't want to jinx him. <laughs> <laughs> Dual threat quarterbacks are the future. They're the present. They're the now. Is there a comparison when you watch Jalen play at this point with the way he's able to throw and the way he's running with it? Honestly, I don't have one, and I'm not real good at the comparison thing. I mean, um, they're fun. We do them sometimes, but especially at quarterback, it's, there's so many facets of, of a quarterback's game, and I don't want to reduce it to, to a, I think he's this guy or that guy. But to me, he's got he's, – he's kind of perfect for the city. I Like, his, his, his mentality is perfect for the city. Um, his skill set's perfect for today's game. You know, it's just going to be, like I said, about consistency, if he can keep it going. Um, it certainly would answer the question that's been kind of looming in everybody's head, because next year is that big. Oh, there's so many QBs in that draft. We've we've said out loud, like how he has a propensity to do whatever the hell <laughs> is on his mind. And, you know, if you if you if you finish the second half of the season and you're not in a good spot, like you're going to that offseason, you're thinking we don't know. But if he plays like this, the decision is made, right? Um, it's just he's got to play like this the whole year long. And then you would have two first-round draft picks to do what you want because Jalen's still on that rookie contract, but he he's yeah. looking like he might get paid, though, coming up here. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. And you got to hit while, while QBs are on rookie contracts. You know, you, you have to – 
when that window's open, you know, you have to go get it. And uh, the one thing about the Eagles I'm never worried about is being aggressive, you know, trying to win now. So uh, for that, I think uh, Howie's done a good job with this situation. The one thing with the defense right now, great coverage on the back end. T.J. Edwards playing great linebacker. The one thing we're not seeing is consistent pressure from the D-line. Hassan Reddick coming over to the Eagles. Um, he hasn't gotten after it, let's say. He was disappointed in his first game. How tough is it a transition? And I've seen him dropping back into coverage sometimes. He got beat last night. Why is he dropping back into coverage? Well, listen, I mean, I know Gannon's got his plan for things, and I think he was aggressive, you know, last night. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pick apart the scheme, but I will say, uh, you know, when you change teams, there is some getting used to rushing with the guys around you. You know, there is a, hey, this guy likes to take it high more than maybe the last guy I rushed with, or this guy might be in my lane sometimes, or maybe we're running more games. You know, maybe I got to loop more here. Um, I think – for a guy like Hassan, if he's feeling like he's in a slump, the good news is, um, and it's two games into the season. I think this is the the tough thing when you're a new, when you're a new acquisition for a team. Or I can remember being a really high paid guy, and like at the beginning of the season, the expectation for me was double digits. So, you know, if I'd have a, a year where I had eight and a half, people were like, "What's wrong with this guy?" Uh, and more often than not, that's what I did. I had a year with eight and a half. So. I just know the feeling of getting off to a start and having that kind of monkey on your back where you're like, damn, dude, if I could just get one, that's why when a guy gets one, two, three sacks in week one, it's like playing with house money and it frees you up to play like a little bit looser. So if you're Hassan Reddick, you're just hoping you make that first play, whether it's, you know, a coverage sack, whether it's falling into something, you don't care. You just want to hear your name called, especially at home. And the good news is he's got guys rushing next to him that he can he can work naturals off, you know, Fletcher Cox, you know, uh, Hargrave's a beast. You know, you, you got BG next to you sometimes. I mean, there's guys he can work naturals off of and, and kind of like it's OK to profit off somebody else to get your first one. Like that would be the mentality I would have. I'd be like, by any means necessary, I got to get one. I don't need to go win some spectacular rush like buy into the defense um loop around Fletch one time and maybe I fall into something and then you're playing with house money a little bit more when Derek Barnett went down for the year was there any thought in your head did anything say wow okay do I do I have a shot at could I actually do this at 37 and get back there of course you always you're you're like you, you never stop com competing in your head um even when you're done and you know, there were a couple of years there where I would have come back at the drop of a hat and gone back to my career for at least a year. Um, I think at 37, I joked the other day, DB got hurt, tore his uh, ACL. And first off, I love DB. I'm pulling for him just as a human being and as a football player. He plays the game the right way. Um, but as soon as that happened and people were hitting me up, I go to softball later that night and I, I pull my hamstring. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, maybe, maybe this is a sign, you know, but um, <laughs> gosh, you do. You sometimes you just like you feel like it, you have a you, you have a dream or something. You're running out of the tunnel. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's hard to let go of that kind of that kind of adrenaline rush that comes with running out of the tunnel and, and rushing. But uh, but it's time to to chill out for me, man. <laughs> I yeah, think, a softball. You know, a, I think softball. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> that hits hard, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, now, would I love to? Yeah. If I could just show up on a Sunday and and run out there and see, but I'm 37, man. You know, it was funny. I got a bunch of t- uh, tweets from people. I'm like, I hope you know, uh, 37 is uh, is pretty damn old. <laughs> in 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 football terms, it's almost like 47, right? Having played the game. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, my body feels pretty good. But I think the funniest thing about when you leave the game is you realize how hard it was, everything that we were doing. You know, like you look back and you say, geez, I was living different. You know, I was I was really you never you you know, from the minute you walk into the league to, you know, from the minute you walk onto a college campus, you're tirelessly working year round to keep yourself at a level that it only takes a couple months to 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 lose. And then once you lose that level physically and then the mental edge, which is the hardest thing, keeping that mental edge up, you have no idea while you're in it how crazy you are as a, as a pro football player. The stresses, the the ambition, the the hard work, the the drive. When you when you leave that team atmosphere, it's really hard to imagine going back. It's like you really have to keep that level up. And when you walk away, it's hard to, to flip that switch back on. So I'm in a really good place in retirement, man. But that took a couple of years to like change my mindset because your mindset is so you have to, your mindset has to be rare to do that, you know, and you don't even know it while you're in it. And you said you have dreams sometimes. Do you wake up and wonder <laughs> if it really happened? No, I'm just joking. I, okay, I, don't, okay. I don't really have dreams. I'm just saying it, you know, sometimes you, you it, when you're retired, you're like, man, it, it, it wasn't that long ago. But it's so different from from the way my life is now. You know, you're like, you're almost like, I can't believe that was me. You know, uh, a different life. It's a different life. And and it was awesome, man. And I wouldn't trade any of it for the world, especially years in Philly. Well, I'll tell you what, you're going to be coming back to Philly at the Philadelphia yep. Navy Yard for the yep. next home game, Legends Tailgate Party. And all the proceeds are going to go to your Chris Long Foundation. You just do such a great job. Uh, waterboys.org slash events. You were the Walter Payton man of the year in your last year with the Eagles for all the work you did. How special is this? You're going to be getting some of the Super Bowl team back together and the fans can tailgate with you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. October 2nd. We had so much fun last year, by the way, for the people who came out. Um, it was awesome. We're going to do a, a live green light show. Uh, so we'll run through all the games, especially some of the Eagles stuff. You know, I got Bo Allen there. I got Brent Selleck. I got AJ Feely. There'll be some other um, kind of late additions because, you know, as football players, we like to plan one week at a time. So I usually <laughs> have all my friends like that week. Um, but, you know, the proceeds are going to Chris Long Foundation. Ticks are $125. And that gets you great food from vendors. You know, it gets you hanging out with us. You get a big raffle. Um, you get to see Les Bowen. My guy, Les Bowen's going to be there. Oh, yeah. Uh, see this thing. So um, you can check it out at waterboys.org slash events. But we love it, man. I, I can't wait to get back. And, you know, that's the Doug week. So, you know, I'm going to see some old friends. And, and um, you know, I just have a tremendous amount of pride that I feel when we come back. I mean, it, it is a special group of fans and a special team we were on. So, yeah, that is interesting. The next two weeks, right, Eagles? They go now to face Carson, the commander, mm-hmm. Carson Wentz. Um, interesting because there are busloads, busloads of fans going down to Washington, D.C. Seems to me to boo Carson. 
What do you think is going to be the reception for Carson Wentz with Eagles fans, whether it's in D.C., because it's all Eagles fans in D.C. anyway, or when he comes back here to the link? I mean, Russell Wilson got booed, you know, last week. Like, people get booed. And and I wouldn't boo him, but, you know, um, but that's every fan's right, man. I also I, I also think it's like it's to hang on to something like that, you know, I, I'm I wouldn't really be hanging on to it because um I don't know, the guy the guy did go through a lot there. I mean, try to put yourself in somebody's shoes when you're you're like an MVP candidate, your team's rolling. I think we win the Super Bowl with him, with Nick, but um, you know, I just think it was our year. And then you get hurt and all of a sudden it goes from that could be me hoisting a trophy to there's the statue of my backup. And uh, that's got to really hurt. It's got to hurt you, you know? And, um, and I'm not even saying this like facetiously or making fun of the situation, like as an athlete, knowing how personal it is to you, that's got to hurt. And then to come back. And I know this for a fact in 2018, he, he tried to play hurt, you know, he wasn't ready to come back. And so whatever people say about Carson, and, you know, whatever he needs to improve on from a leadership standpoint, if he's too stubborn, these things are all, you know, they're valid conversations to have. Bottom line is he got to throw the football to his team more. I mean, that's the thing that cures all, right? But whatever they say about him, I mean, he really busted his ass on the field and and uh, and kind of played as hard as he could. It just didn't work out. And I, I, I don't hold much of a grudge on, you know, like anybody, you know, and I, I just it's hard for me to imagine hating somebody like that. But if you got to boo him, you got to boo him, man. You know, it, it is what it is. Russell Wilson got booed last week. He was a decade and a Super Bowl and it definitely got in his head. So. If, if it works, if it, if it you know, if it's going to help the Eagles and you think it does, go for it. Yeah, that's the thing. They might think it gets uh, into his head and can affect the game. How about Carson, all the things he went through in Philly? He did want to go somewhere else. He goes to yeah. Indianapolis, and, man, that ended badly. Yeah. Don't know what happened with ownership. His yeah. buddy Frank Wright, he couldn't stop uh, ownership from wanting him out. But do you think this is his last shot to show that he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Well, you know, wanting to leave Philly, I understand in his situation. It's never a place I'd have wanted to leave, um, but also things were different for me. You know, I think everybody, every football player, we forget sometimes they they have like a career to worry about, you know, and the writing was on the wall for him. So at that point, like wanting to get out, I kind of – and teams move on from players all the time. And, you know, and, and we don't hold grudges all the time. So I just – I – I, I look at this thing a little bit more empathetic as a player, but I certainly understand the feeling. Um, I do think this is the last chance. I mean, like, listen, um, the pattern of behavior on the football field has been kind of haphazard with the football, taking too many chances, forcing the ball in, not learning your lesson. Um, these are all things he's been guilty of. Uh, and I like the guy. I, I'm 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 pulling for him. You know, I, I I texted him a few weeks ago. He texts you right back. You know, um, there's some guys I play with. They'll text you. You text them and you don't hear back from them. But um, I, I like the kid, man, and I'm rooting for him. But he's got to really play well this year, and he's got to play mistake free football. And Sunday, uh, Trevor Lawrence was really good, and uh, the Jaguars look good. You know, to, to shift gears, talking about them. 
Um, they were really Doug has, has is getting people open down there. I mean, week one, there were a ton of people open. They just weren't good at catching or throwing the football. Uh, you know, Trevor was off. You know, the ETN had a ball hit him in the face on the goal line. He, he'd walk in and score. They were just bad. Week two, all that scheming up came to fruition because Trevor made throws and they executed and they were really they really looked like a good football team. And I, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get out over my skis here, but the way Indy looks, whose division is that, you know, the way Tennessee has looked, I mean, Tennessee looked really hapless against the giants, a lot of penalties, uh, Tannehill, obviously last night, I, I didn't see it, but Malik entered the game at one point, that division is a, you know, what show, and, uh, you've got one coach in that division, uh, who as a head coach won a Super Bowl and uh, and he's sitting in Jacksonville and I feel like they might be relatively competitive there. I'll tell you, uh, having the green light podcast, you're the master of the segue because you went right from Carson to Doug. That was a good move by you right there. Uh, Come on well, now, yeah. Thin move. I learned from the best, John. I learned <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I was going to ask you about Doug. When Doug comes back, when you're back in Philly um, with the tailgate party that you're having, what kind of reception do you think Dougie P is going to get from Eagles fans? Oh, I hope he gets a good one, man. I hope he gets a good one. I love that dude. Um, I just, he just cared about his guys. And, um, you know, he was a player's coach. And it was that kind of fearless attitude that he had that we also had as a team. And I don't know how our personality would have been if we had a, a different kind of coach who was more uptight or what was, you know, thought of the worst case scenario more. Doug's not exactly a worst case scenario guy. <laughs> and, uh, and I love that about him. Uh, and, and we, we had that kind of mentality. And so I, you know, I, he was a perfect coach for, for the team we had and, um, and I'm rooting for him. I mean, also consider going coaching, going from coaching in Philly with as many guys as there are in the locker room and media day to Jacksonville like there's a little less pressure on him to answer questions and, and be thorough in the uh in the post game and I think you know that's a it's the yin and yang of things man like you get you get the Philly experience now you're gonna get the Jacksonville experience I think he's gonna thrive just like he did in Philly I'll tell you I, I I had the conversation once in a while with friends and with people about just how remarkable that Super Bowl win was for you guys I mean it's the only time in NFL history a team had over 600 yards of offense and lost, the Patriots. Brady had over 500 yards. Yeah. So when you look back at the game, it's one of the epic Super Bowls. Doug Peterson calling the Philly special in that spot. What does it say about Doug and the Quijones? But also, he listened to Nick Foles, his quarterback. Well, I think that's it, listening, you know, like being open to um, hearing from your players. That was him. It wasn't just him on on the biggest stage. That was him on, you know, during the week when we go up and talk to him in the leadership council or whatever, you know, he was open-minded. Now, he wasn't going to be a pushover, but he was going to listen to what you had to say. And if he liked it enough, we'd do it. And uh, I think he was, uh, I think that kind of relationship with the players goes a long way in, in garnering respect, but also the fearlessness. And then just like knowing that, like, let's get all the points we can here. You know, uh, we, we're going to need a lot more than than an extra point or a two point conversion. You know, a lot of it's about 
making that statement and saying like, we're not afraid of you at all. You know, like we're going to the half here. Think about this. And I think, um, I think that's Doug's mentality. That's the mentality that I talk about with Doug. And it's not like in your face, but it's like, stop us. You know, like that's a, that's a cool thing when your offense plays like that. Now, of course we got picked apart in the second half, (laughs) but I can laugh about it now. People are always like, man, how about when you beat Tom Brady? I'm like, beat Tom Brady. (laughs) Right. right. Foles beat Tom Brady. I mean, we beat Tom Brady, but the defense, we came to, to, you know, we came uh, together when we had to, but um they you know the rush it was so frustrating because tom's the master getting that pill out and uh, he's going to keep people in and they chipped out the whole game but then when they had to get people out in the route late bg got home and and um yeah that was that was that and now i see brandon driving around his license plate says strip sack (laughs) no it doesn't yes sir oh my god i gotta get on his ass what i love it oh i just gave you material my bad Oh, that's so good. Thank you, John. You got it. Well, you got to You got to look at Twitter. Did you see how Brandon is signing helmets now at autograph sessions? Oh, he's out of control. I, I was like, oh, my God, is this really BG? Oh, he's the new man. It's it's like a delayed onset swagger from the from the <laughs> Super Bowl. It took him like two, two, three years to realize that he's an Eagles legend. Yeah. <laughs> and you're an Eagles legend. And when you see Jason Kelsey still out there doing what he's doing. I mean, I got to tell you, when I watch from the press box, I see him on the sideline hobbling on one leg sometime. His elbow, he had to have it cleaned out. He's always playing hurt. And when you see him in space again, like he was against the Vikings, how incredible is it what Jason Kelsey's doing and the toughness that he has? I mean, he's just a, he's, he's a, he's a man. He's just a man's man. I just, I love playing with Jason. Um, I love, you know, calling him a friend. He's just, he's a, he's just a piece of work and um, he just can't kick. He can't kick it. He just loves Philly. He loves football. And uh, I think <laughs> Cam Jurgens might be on his second contract and uh, Jason's still going to be <laughs> out there because <laughs> he just loves it, man. He just, and he's still playing well, you know, I mean, with all those little, you know, dings and and bumps and bruises that come with being his age. And now he's finally understanding the way it felt for some of us on that team. Well, he's only a few years younger. Um, it, you know, it builds character and he's got plenty of it. Um, this is the time in your career where things might not work the way they used to, but it's about kind of overcompensating and, 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 and and you got to be a smart player to be his age. You really do, because you have to you have to constantly put fires out and overcompensate with your body in different ways and change the way you play because things are going out. You know, every every year it's like, damn, what's this? What's this? I didn't have to deal with this when I was young. Why is this swelling? Um, it's it's like a leaks on a boat, right? One pops yeah. up, the other you get the other taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, just much respect to him, obviously, for his entire career. But this is the time in somebody's career where, you know, for me, I didn't play my best ball in my career when I was 33, 34, whatever it was, 32. But I took a lot of pride in coming to work and just like and and scrapping it out and figuring it out. And um, Jason's going through that phase in his career and he's still playing at a high level. So I love Jason, man. He's an awesome teammate. 
Well, that's cool to hear. And, and you're back in Philly, October 2nd for the Legends Tailgate Party. You can go to waterboys.org slash events. And the people love to hang with you, Chris Long. And I know from listening to your podcast, and there's always a good way to plug a podcast by having a good story. I heard that Jason Kelsey story on your podcast. Um, is there any story you can give us today that you haven't told anywhere else, or maybe you, you know, maybe it hasn't picked up steam that we could plug the podcast with anything that you got from your days with the Eagles that people would love to hear, maybe defines a teammate or something like that. Days with the Eagles. I can tell you, I mean, <laughs> kind of put me on the spot, but I would say, you know, uh, you think about the big moments, the double doink moment, um, you know, having no idea that the kick was blocked. I mean, we've talked about this before, but I'll never forget going back in the locker room and people are yelling where everybody's like that kicker, you know, he sucks like all this stuff. And Trayvon Hester's in the corner. Like I got a piece of it guys. It was me. It was me. You know, like little things like that behind the scenes that, you know, you'll be watching NFL films and, and they'll show you, you know, a, a run back of that double doink game. And it's just cool to have been there. Like little pieces of history, you know, I, I guess the, the parade, people remember the parade. I, I can remember going to Mitchell and Ness um, in a panic, just grabbing boxes of jerseys, bringing guys back jerseys, you know, doling them out in the locker room and you get to a Reggie White and we're like, who gets to wear that? And Fletch is like, give me that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, you know, to to the little coat, like uh that didn't get in till the night before um the fur coat didn't get in till the night before the parade. I don't know, man. There were so many great uh memories, like the whole team being sick at the Super Bowl, like just guys with common colds of you know what now, if you're getting ready to play the game of your life, guys are in there on IVs. Just uh, the whole team walking wounded. That whole run, like for everything. Uh, a bug ran through the team that week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Let's see. There you go. Maybe that's one. But all right. You know, not. I, I would say everybody just had you know zero degrees in Minneapolis. You're so run down, uh, and everybody's just living in the Mall of America, passing germs back and forth. There's no never outside. Uh, and not and good for COVID times. No, that would have been bad. But like <laughs> the whole thing, like the whole run, whether it was the playoff run in 17 or the shorter run in 18, you know, just every little moment that, you know, people remember in Philly, it's so crazy, all the backstories behind it. So we tell a lot of those stories. We do talk about the Eagles a lot, but more than anything, it's me, my brother, it's Bo Allen. It's, uh, it's some of my old teammates popping on um, on Greenlight and telling stories. So we love doing that. We love breaking the games down. So check us out. Actually, Bo Allen will be joining me every Wednesday all season, and we will be talking birds just about every Wednesday. Wednesdays with Bo. Uh, going into Super Bowl week, we actually did a live shot from his parents' house and the house he grew up in. And his mom said, let's go upstairs and take a picture in front of Bo's bedroom. And he's like, get out of my house. Oh, he loves it. He loves it. He he pretends he loves it. That's his favorite set, his parents' house. Like, yeah, we're always podcasting. I'm like, bro, you can't get a better set. Like, we'll be in the middle of podcasting, and his parents will come down and ask him if he wants, like, a bowl of cereal or something. I'm like, wait, we're working. He's like, mom, the meatloaf. Like, that's, that's like. I don't know what she's doing back there. I never know what she's doing back there. I'm like, Bo, we got to, come on, we need to get you a microphone and everything. So, yeah, no, Bo's the man. He, Bo's good at this media thing, too, so. That's awesome. I'm going to listen to that. So good plug for the Greenlight Podcast. And, and we're looking forward to you coming back to Philly with the 
Legends Tailgate Party, the return of Doug Peterson and Chris Long in the Super Bowl champs. So we really appreciate the time. Thanks, John. It's great talking to you, and I'll see everybody in Philly. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.